Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Games We Love, your weekly video game podcast focused on positive and fun discussions, industry news, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brad. Hello. And, well, I guess just Brad, actually, (laughs) this week. We have been ditched, so Kevin couldn't make it, guys, because Kevin is currently going through pretty much a litany of different big-time disasters, you would say. He is recovering from a major back issue that overtook him for the last week or so. He was just getting past that, healing up, and today his power went down due to storms. And then this evening, after he was hoping to be able to make it to our recording, there are tornadoes in the area. So luckily, Brad has not had to deal with those yet. So fingers crossed that we can get through this safely. I've had countless alerts all day about the weather incoming, and it's not been pretty, but... No, feel bad goodness. for Kevin over there. Yeah. I do too. And yeah, we gave him the night off. He's going to catch up with the, some of the things that he's been playing with us on next week's episode, of course. And we'll let him take care of the family and stay safe from any weather issues. Brad, how was your week? It's been pretty good. It started off uh, on Sunday. I made a trip over to the... I'm sorry, not on Sunday. On Saturday, I made a trip over to the... Fan Expo here in St. Louis, which was formerly called Wizard World, and I went for the sole reason of meeting the one and only Nolan North, who made an appearance oh. there for the weekend. Yeah. Oh. It was a really good time after uh, my big Uncharted binge. I'm trying to talk about Uncharted le- less because that's feel like that's all I've been talking about on the podcast recently since I've gone through all the games. But right after the night that I finished Lost Legacy and the what's the new collection called? Legacy of Thieves Legacy collection. Legacy of Thieves. Yeah. I... Uh, Decided to make a trip over to the convention center, meet Nolan North, the voice of Nathan Drake, and it's a really, really cool experience, man. He had the one of the longest lines, too, out of everybody there. I was surprised when I walked up, because I know you know a lot of people know who Nolan is, but I was like, oh, man, he's it's going to be kind of a wait to see him, but it was so worth it. <laughs> what was that like? So, A, I'm a super fan of Uncharted. It's maybe my favorite like franchise i guess you could say of anything that has you know three or so more three or more games probably other than final fantasy but connected franchise and just a humongous humongous fan of nathan drake and nolan so what is it like at this kind of event do you get to talk to him or do you just literally shuffle up there have 30 seconds pose and then move on Sometimes it's like what you said, the latter, um, and which I wasn't concerned about because as I was waiting in line, the reason why it was the line was so long is because he takes the time to to talk to you and listen to you and just you know have a conversation and everything. And I was very careful not when I was the next one up. The guy in front of me, I knew, was very excited about it. And Nolan kept looking at me, like trying to include me in the conversation as well. I was like, I, I really don't want to ruin this guy's experience with him. You know, have your one on one with him and and everything. And he was talking about, you know, just his time on the game and what he, you know, is excited for in the future. And it, it was just really cool. And just the history of the games, like he was talking about how Uncharted Two was the game that brought a lot of people into the franchise, which is true of me. And uh, it's, I think, I don't remember how he worded it, but he had some kind of numbers or some kind of percentage where he said that after everybody played Uncharted 2, that's when they went back and played the first one, which is also the case of mine, uh, for me as well, because I wasn't playing PlayStation at the time, which where it's exclusive to being, you know, it was, it was just really cool. You can, you can hear the elements of of Nathan in his voice, you know, like you, you can tell, especially 
just his mannerisms, everything with the motion capture from Uncharted Four and all that. Just like <laughs> he, he's he's Nathan Drake through and through, and it was really cool talking to him and trying to get hints of upcoming projects. I said I'd love to hear you as as Nathan again, even if you're not in the title or not the title role, but like the the main protagonist in the game. There's no reason Nate can't be there, retired and advising whoever is we're taking the journey with, right? And he did drop a few uh, little hints that there's some rumblings of an animated series possibly coming up in in the future, which is perfect. I would love that. And uh, when I talked about the future of Uncharted, he he made a point to say that since Amy Hennig is no longer there, you know, she's got her own thing going on and everything. I was like, I wonder if that's him. I was trying not to look too into it. But I wonder if that's him saying that, like, Uncharted is, like, her baby, you know? And, like, without her, it maybe it's not going to be, there might not be a future for it. But that's me just speculating on, on the way he worded some things and everything. But overall, the experience was really cool. He signed my steel book of Uncharted 4, when I, uh, the one that I got with the collector's edition. And then uh, as the, the he was worried about the marker drying on it, so he sat down. He's like, "Okay, let's uh, let's take some selfies." And he just took my phone and took a uh, half a dozen photos <laughs> of different poses and everything. And it was really really cool experience, man. If he's ever up in Seattle, Gosh. I hope you get to meet him. Yeah. Well, he's been here, and I just don't go to those kind of events typically because I have never. Did you have to pay? I'm assuming you have to pay to get like in. A, yeah. And yeah. You have to pay him. Yeah, as well. You so. have to pay for the line, right? And so I've always kind of not felt like I needed to do that. He is literally maybe one of, I don't know, three or four people that I've ever even heard of that do this kind of fan expo events that I would be willing to do that for. But just hearing your story makes me a lot more likely to go through that because that would be worth it to me, right? To get five minutes with him and be able to have a minimal conversation, no matter how completely, you know, meaningless in the big picture it is, or, you know, throw away in a sense like it's not like he's going to truly give you any inside information right but just to right. be able to talk to him like that and then getting the signature i, I just love that he wrote sick parvis magna on there right. on your steel book I, I, he signs a lot of stuff with that we saw this uncharted special edition ps4 console that somebody had gotten signed <laughs> at, and yeah. you showed me on ebay and i you know man i'm telling you right now it, yeah. i probably would have accidentally um, like purchased that in a heartbeat <laughs> because yeah i'd have been like just it was gorgeous just the perfect right. gold signature on this this dark blue console Beautiful anyway blue color yeah yeah so anyway he's cool and i'm really glad you got to have that experience and those selfies are awesome i mean i love <laughs> this stuff he made faces very nolan north like it does not surprise yep. me if you've watched any sort of let's play video from him as he's gone through uncharted series and all his other work on youtube that he's put out there he's just a charismatic guy and there's a reason that he's so perfect for Nate, and they they are they are one and it's the same personality wise, really. Yep. So, very cool, man. Very cool. Well, yes. yeah. nothing interesting for me. I definitely can't oh. top that. So we're just gonna <laughs> skip right along to our listener question of the week. What is your gaming plan for the rest of 2022? Do you have any big hitters on the horizon? Are you gonna be focusing on your backlog? Now that there have been so many AAA titles that were going to be looked forward to at the end of this year have been moved out of 2022, is there a plan that you are personally undertaking? So, Brad, I'll start with you. Do you have a plan of any kind or focus on what's coming up next? How do you approach this? Uh, 
going, you know, it's kind of like the conversation we had on a podcast before. I, I don't really have a plan as to what to play. I have things I want to play, but I, I have to be in a mindset to want to play it. I recently started Guardians of the Galaxy, which I've heard nothing but good things about, but I just wasn't in the mood to, to really get into it. I only played it for maybe a half an hour and I was like, this is this is not hitting for me right now, but I know that it will in the future. So it's really what kind of mood I'm in. I know that I need to get back to Cyberpunk. Uh, I just got Returnal back from Kevin. And I tried a couple rounds of that uh, the other day, and I'm still not very good at it. I get to the first boss and think that, you know, okay, I got a shot this time. And it just, I, I screw it up, but I, I know that I'm, I'm close to getting past that, uh, that, that point and, and continuing on with that game. Because it's a really, really good game. But I have a list of things that are, that are coming out that, I, that I'm interested in for the rest of the year. Um, and then my backlog is just... You know, I need to still finish Rogue Legacy 2, and I need to finish uh, Control. Again, I'm playing the uh, Ultimate Edition. And then, yeah, Elden Ring is the game of the year so far that everybody's talking about. And after playing Tunic, you know, I'm like, I feel like I could probably get in. I'll explain more about that later, but like I, I might finally pick up Elden Ring, but I know that there's a big time commitment and everything to to that kind of game. So, Again, I, I don't have a plan as to what and when, just just what. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's what I got so far, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I'm uh, I'm different. You're like several other of my friends who definitely kind of approach things a little bit more on the fly. And I think everybody does this differently. I have one friend that has a very highly curated list of maybe... 10 titles because he just that's that's his thing like he really wants to be very specific on these are the games he's going to beat and it takes a lot to get on that list and you know when you're on that list he doesn't just play one after the other he kind of takes his time but when he gets into one it's 100% full attention and he goes all the way in and beats that one game so that's why it's a very specific list for him me I'm a planner uh I am big time into organization, basically in every aspect of my entire life. I'm an admin specialist, so that's what I do. Project management, producing, like all these things kind of synergize for me. And with that is always having a plan. I have massive amounts of spreadsheets tracking all these different games from my backlog that I want to get to. I have it broken down by console. I have it broken down by hour um, estimation, actually. Like I have like a, you know, these are, 20, 25 plus hour games. These are sub 20 hour games that I can knock out in a week. And for me, I think that any list and any plan that I make is never something I would sign a blood oath to basically, because it's likely not to happen anyway, <laughs> but I kind of <laughs> like to just do, I like the act of making the list, if that makes sense. And so I think for my goals that I have, been feeling in the moment right now to answer this question, I would say with so many of the larger titles moving, and I have other stuff I want to play in addition to this that I'm about to mention as well. I mean, I have Elden Ring I want to keep going on. I think I'm going to be playing Elden Ring for a very long time. You know, I'm 40 plus hours into the game and not very far because I do everything and it's phenomenal. It's just one that I find myself I think I'll go back to I'll spend a week two or three play sessions dump 10 or 15 hours in and then I'll move on to something else hardcore and I'll get to it later control I want to replay the control ultimate edition with the DLC like you do uh the Witcher 3 got announced the Today. Wild Hunt 
next gen version. My history with that game is I've played it about 40 hours on PC and about 10 to 15 or 20 hours on PlayStation and on Xbox both. I have never gotten that far because past that 40 hour mark on the PC version. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to play this. I don't, I hopefully, you know, close to day one, but I've always been a little bit turned off by that combat. It's just not super smooth for me. I'm hoping that the sped up frame rate will assist there a little bit. Uh, It's not going to change it completely drastically, but it'll do enough. So I want to play through all of the Witcher three for once. I think that's like a white whale for you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, multiple friends, you know, it's like top four or five game of all time for them. So, and I'm a fancy guy. I mean, there's every reason it would be that way for me if I ever got through the whole dadgum thing. So, um, (laughs) yeah. So the Witcher's on there. God of War Ragnarok, if it comes out, is a day one no brainer for me. Gotham Knights is something I'm still probably going to dabble in. Harry Potter, I'm going to play if it comes out still. Forgot about Potter. Again, I just don't have a lot of faith in some of these titles actually hitting by the end of the year. But that takes me to my plan. So because so many of these have gone awry, I have a lot of extra big game time, I could call it. And I realized that my Square Enix love, my JRPG slash RPG love, I have a lot of things on my backlog. And I could kind of just make this sort of a Square Enix catch-up slash replay year. So I'm currently going back through Final Fantasy 15. I don't know if I've mentioned that on the podcast yet or not. The Royal Edition. I've beaten the game once before. Did I mention this last week? I can't recall. But sure. the last when I beat the game on Xbox Series X, I was level 53. Okay. I am currently 40 hours into the game in chapter seven, and I am level 61 because <laughs> I I am taking it slow. And I love this game. It's one of my all-time favorites, and I want to platinum it. And I'm not going through it methodically to platinum it i'm going through and just doing everything every single quest because i want to it's very rare for me to get this into something but i i'm doing that so that's kind of first up to finish but then i also i've already played through kingdom hearts 3 so that kind of fits the bill as well Uh, i'm about two-thirds maybe three-quarters of the way through dragon quest 11 s echoes of elusive age on ps5 so it's high on my priority list to finish off that as well. I'm, I don't know, a third of the way into Bravely Default 2 on Switch, so I could finish that up. I want to play Final Fantasy VI, the Pixel Remaster on Steam. Triangle Strategy on Switch was my most anticipated game of the year. I pre-ordered it, and I haven't even started it yet, so Elden Ring, by the way, is what got in the way of that because it came out right after Elden Ring. So that's on the list. Chrono Trigger, I bought a brand new, beautiful copy for my 3DS that I want to replay that. That was a birthday gift to myself and something I want to get to this year. And my big dream is Final Fantasy XIV, to be honest. I've put in about 40 hours on Final Fantasy XIV back in the day on PC, and I loved it. But the game has had so many improvements since then and it is so beloved and so critically acclaimed with regards to its story and it has recently had a whole bunch of accessibility changes to where you can basically play this game solo you can play it like a single player final fantasy rpg that takes you 
400 or 500 hours or whatever it takes. Yeah. So it's d- daunting, but I love the game and I really want to experience it because I just love Final Fantasy universes. And so I have it on my list as something that I really want to check out and see if there's a way I can make that work. It's a lot of hours and I don't think I would do it in one, you know, burst. I think <laughs> I'm saying I would, I would play it for a while, probably fall off, come back oh, yeah, to yeah. it a month or two later, play a little more most likely, but we'll see. And then there's a bunch coming out the rest of this year or already released. There's live a live or live alive. I don't know how you pronounce it. That's coming out in the summer. Another HD two and a half D remake that looks gorgeous in Octopath style. There's Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. I dabbled in the demo on that one. I could see myself trying to play that. There's Star Ocean, the Divine Force that's coming out this year. I love the Star Ocean universe. There's another tactics RPG that looks kind of like Triangle Strategy called the Diofield Chronicle that looks really good. And then there's Forspoken, which is also a Square Enix produced RPG yeah. um, for Final uh, for PlayStation 5 coming out at some point this year. So basically my kind of goal that I'm never going to keep is that I'm going to play all of these <laughs> square, these square games. Yeah. <laughs> so check in with me at the end of the year, Brad, and let's see how many of this long lengthy list I finished. And it's probably going to be like kingdom hearts, FF 15 triangle strategy, and that's it. But you never know. <laughs> Maybe yeah. something will change. Yeah. The rest of my list, what's coming out. Um, we got the quarry in June. I know you're interested in that from, from uh, very much. Yes. Sea of Stars, I think you're also on the Kickstarter for the old RPG style uh, adventure game there. Um, Gotham Knights, you mentioned um, I'm lukewarm on it, but I'll probably check it out because it's a Gotham game by uh, WB Montreal. And then uh, another Kickstarter game is Curse of the Sea Rats, which is a a Sea Rats um, Metroidvania game where you play with these pirate rats. I've mentioned it before. It's it I played on the beta. It was really, really cool. So I'm looking forward to that. Still don't have a release date yet. Final Fantasy 16, A Plague Tale Requiem, which is a sequel to A Plague Tale Innocence from 2017, I, I think. God. So, yeah. so good. I'm going to replay it probably before the sequel comes out. There's no date on that yet, but it still says 2022. And um, yeah, some things that are already out. Uh, Life is Strange, True Colors. I've, I have to be in a mood for those. I love those games, but it's a game that I, it's a, it's a story, an episodic story that, you know, I, I want to put the time in and pay attention and really enjoy. And I'm just not in that mental place right now to just pop that in. And uh, Moss book two on the PSVR. I love the first game to death and will defend it or die on that hill. It's, it's such a cute game uh, and really turned me around on the VR fad and near automata. Um, I've tried starting that one two or three times and just haven't been in the mood for it, but I love the art style of that game and really hoping that, one day it's going to click and I can get into it because I've heard nothing but great things. And the hour or so that I played of it felt good. I just haven't gone back to it. So that's the rest of my list that I compiled for this uh, question. It's a good list. Uh, and and will be interesting to look back and see what we end up doing. I mean, obviously we yeah. throw in random games as well, just to talk about on the podcast, new releases, shorter indies and stuff. Those aren't always able to be planned out ahead of time just kind of happens right (laughs) and some cases but no that's good i think at the very least we will most likely all be trying gotham knights i would love since we're all sort of interested in gonna try it anyway we might as well do some co-op and then we can report back on the co-op and the game like if we're gonna review it 
let's at least review it and we'll play it together and see how it goes. Yeah. And, and hopefully, I mean, fingers crossed, you know, I'm not, I'm going in with low, low expectations. So it has room to surprise me. <laughs> that's, sure. that's, that's the way to do it there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start talking about what we have been playing already. And the big review for this week, we decided we were going to go through Tunic. Tunic is an indie game that has been long awaited by fans, myself included. I've been tracking this one for a couple of years. It is mostly from one person. His name is Andrew Schuldice, the creator. I believe he's had some small amounts of help with like the aspects of the score. There was somebody who worked on the score with him and a couple other things. But for the most part, this is as close to a solo project as it gets without one person like without being stardew valley so it is a isometric adventure game in the style of old link to the past zelda adventure games and the main crux of the game or mechanics of the game is that you are this cute little fox who is wearing a link tunic tunic (laughs) hence the name right and i mean this game is unapologetic in its desire to replicate the visual experience and the relation that we, we it knows we have as an gamers to the Link series. And so you roll around, you have a sword, you gain different tools and items, you assign them to buttons like old school Zelda, bombs, etc. And you go throughout the world exploring it, looking for secrets, fighting, finding pages of a manual, which we'll talk about here in depth because it's a very unique part of this game and ultimately a very important part (laughs) and ultimately working your way through several different bosses until you beat the game in which time other stuff may or may not happen this game for me brad so i started it about the same time as elden ring it came out i want to say a week or two later and i am not a souls-like lover I tolerate certain Souls games. I liked Dark Souls 3. I played quite a bit of it. I played quite a bit of Bloodborne. Others I've tried, and I'm like, absolutely not. Sucker out. Not for me. Nope. <laughs> like, the, the higher the skill cap required, the lower I'm going to enjoy it. But like, Elden Ring was doable for me because I could get OP. Tunic is a light Souls like kind of mm-hmm. game. It has some challenge and a parry system that you can utilize in its combat. I personally really enjoyed my first or so play session with this game, and I was excited to go back to it. After spending 12-ish hours, I don't know exactly how much I put in. I know it's over 10 in the game. I am over halfway through it, and I kind of have lost the desire to go back. And so... I found the combat. I hate the combat. I, I I could try and sugarcoat this. I really don't like the combat. I don't find it to be interesting enough or refined enough to make me want to deal with the frustrations of it. And so it's serviceable, but I feel like I'm kind of just bouncing off of enemies left and right. Enemies chase you and they never stop. So... <laughs> It's really weird because usually you can run away from enemies and, you know, go catch your breath and like down a potion, but they just keep going after you in this game for some reason. And 
I didn't enjoy it. So I could get through the combat. Don't mind you, or don't mind me. Like I, it's doable. I'm not trying to turn off any listeners because it's not the most difficult combat. It's just not what I would say is fun combat. And part of that for me also comes down to the control scheme of this game. There is a method of hitting LB on the shoulder to go into a menu. And that's how you change equipped items to use on the fly. But it's nearly impossible to do this because when you hit LB to go into that menu, which is a classic Zelda thing, right? Game doesn't pause. So if you are rolling up into a fight and you have your sword and you have a wand of whatever magic and you have a magic spell or let's say you're ready to go fight. You got your offensive tools prepared or you accidentally, maybe you have a grapple hook or something on there. You have another kind of tool from your adventuring out in the world. So you weren't prepared and you're like, Oh crap, I'm in the middle of this fight. I need to get to my wand. You have to be able to hit LB quickly navigate down. And it's not like, Games where you hit A to select an item and then it go hit A again to pick the spot for it. You hit a button and it goes to that button. So it's really easy to mess up is all I'm getting at. And you're yep. doing it. Not only is it easy to mess up, you're doing it in real time while you're being attacked and you don't have a lot of health. You, you dra- Your health drains really quickly. And it's just, it got real frustrating for me. Yeah. Real frustrating. And so those aspects of the game have kept me from wanting to go back to it the exploration of the game i personally love and i think it's phenomenal you seem to have had a better experience with this so maybe i'll pause there and let you speak on these things before we get into the the other aspects of it yeah that uh the menu system was absolutely the most frustrating part for me um other than my personal grievances with the the explore once you know i got to a point where i wasn't sure where to go and that's that's the draw of the game is what really pulled me in and what aside from the art and the music when it was announced was the exploration aspect and when i started playing the game you know i was so happy with the way that it played where I didn't know where I was going, but I enjoyed just exploring and trying to figure everything out. Like before I even had a weapon to, they they put these blocks up so that you can cut down the grass and stuff, I think with your stick, if not, you can walk through it. But before you get the sword, I was finding ways to improvise by having the guards, you know, kite them around and hit the things with their sword so I can get through these paths and stuff. So it was this improv of, getting to where I want to go without really knowing if I'm supposed to be there yet, you know, and that's what really sold it for me. And then the, the grievance you had with the menu system is something I absolutely struggled with for a while until I got used to it. But ultimately um, a lot of the stuff that I had in my inventory, I just stopped using. I, I, as soon as I got the wand and I got the grapple hook, I put those in my, in my thing, in my abilities, because you have three buttons, which is your sword or your, Xbox controller, so X, Y, and B, and that's what you can equip your items to, and I would just keep my sword, my wand, and my grapple hook all ready, and then if I needed something, uh, I would prepare, try to prepare, or get far enough away where I can quickly do it, but I had to make that mental note, like, okay, you gotta press these buttons in this quick fashion, so that you're not losing time in the battle, or whatever you're doing, but yeah, that that that's the biggest complaint that I had about the game. The rest of it, I 
absolutely adored. So I don't know if you want so, to get into that yet, or yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I mean, you know, it's it's a game that a lot of people have loved, and yet not everyone is loving it quite in the same way that they loved like Death's Door. And I can't help but compare it to the two most recent games, Death's Door and Link's Awakening Remake. Those two games I adore. They're two just complete favorites of mine. And I felt like the combat in both of those was more interesting. These mean it was just it was tighter. I mean, frankly, my issues with the game feel like this is because it's one dude who's trying to marry the Souls-like aspects of a game and throw it in with this. Even the Souls-like aspect of this game, it you have your money, right? Your gems, whatever you want to call it, your coins. Yeah. And you lose a percentage of them if you die and you can go back and retrieve them like in a Souls game. But it's it's like 2% or something. I mean, it's not yeah. even necessary to do. You sure certainly not worth risk if you yeah. are going to be, you know, in danger in going back to retrieve them, which is the opposite of what the purpose of that mechanic serves in a Souls game. It's your XP. It is enticing to go back and get it. It is intentionally trying to make you put yourself back in that risky position. And so it felt like, well, why is that here? And, you know, the combat just isn't as tight as it needs to be for a game that wants to be Souls-like, in my opinion. The other issue with those menus and the items, like you just said, right? You were talking about how you ultimately just got to the point where you were just going to use these two things because it was just a pain in the butt to try and go through yeah. things. That, to me, is a design fail because you ha I had, at any time in my inventory, Brad, I had 15 different items of yep. certain random things that I could use. And because the game doesn't have a menu option, right? Or do, I'm sorry, doesn't have a an instruction manual, doesn't tell you what anything is. I didn't know what things did a lot of times. Yeah. And so I was unwilling to use them because I was afraid that I might waste them and need them later. And so, and there was the aspect of like it being a trouble to switch to them. So I ended up not using anything. And it was like, right. there's all this cool stuff that may have helped me, but I was never driven to the point where I could use them. And that just didn't work great for me either. And again, part of that is because of the functionality of the really interesting way this game does its instruction manual. So why don't you talk about that? Because I know yeah, you I really enjoyed that. Yeah, what I wish I could remember was the order in which you kind of collect these pages. The collectibles in the game are pages to this 50 55 page instruction 55? manual it, i think it's 55 crap. pages you get two at a time because <laughs> wow, it's front because yeah. it's front and back but the instruction manual is the main collectible of the game if if i'm blanking if there's anything else but and then power-ups um but what the instruction manual does is this this game has its own language it 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 literally drops you in to this game uh you're laying on the beach as this cute little fox and you wake up and you start running around and trying to figure out where to go. And the instruction manual, the signs around the areas or whatever, they're all in a language that you can't understand. Once in a while, there'll be a word of English or so you kind of have an idea or maybe a symbol like the sword is this way or so on and so forth. But the instruction manual itself is all basically in this this secret language. But they give you these cute little clues of like they show you I mean, from just like the, the save menu to the, you know, everything like you can imagine is in there, but it you have to interpret it in your own way. And 
it encourages you. I wish maybe it encouraged you more, in, in, especially in your scenario, to to use those items and learn what they do for yourself. So you weren't afraid to to waste them or not use them because you find out later on just by trial and error what some item cards and stuff that you also find do which greatly helps certain areas of the game where I was actually very frustrated when you get to an area called the quarry because you find these these stones that just drain your health down to nothing. You, you don't die from it, but you have enemies around that are trying to kill you and they can shoot guns and stuff. And if you're around these stones, your health drops down. And then eventually, if you're in this quarry too deep, you can hardly see anything. And there's a static in your in your from the audio and it's really bad. But then if you find out you know, play around with your item cards and kind of read the instruction manual and, and pick up on the hints that it gives you, you realize that there's there's a remedy to all of that, you know? So it, it's kind of, there's a trial and error and there's just these cute things that like, when you learn how to use your stamina bar, uh, while most of the manual is in the Fox's language or whatever language you want to call it, he has a cute little dialogue box that says, I, I get hurt more when my stamina is depleted. And, and it kind of shows you a little diagram of him crying or whatever. And they they drop all these little hints. And so you are encouraged to find these pages for the end game as well, because there's all kinds of little things sprinkled in and out that might not make sense at the beginning. But as you play the game more, you realize that there's all these things that you've been seeing throughout the game that you didn't even know was a function because you didn't have the right page in the instruction manual to to know that yet. You know, so there's there's so much to discover, not only in the world, but in the manual and the mechanics of the game that I didn't know till late in the game at all. And it was like, oh my God, this was here the whole time and I <laughs> I just needed this page to to and like really analyze and see yeah that this is a mechanic in the game that I didn't even know about so yeah it's very yeah. important i agree i i mean i it ultimately became what i felt was gimmicky to me and i am glad to hear that it does eventually become more important and I, and i'm not saying i didn't learn things from it i did sometimes at least in the first half of the game i felt like i figured stuff out because i had to it was like i had to figure it out on my own out of frustration before i would get the page to learn a thing yeah. And so it wasn't, I don't know if the pacing of finding things. Ultimately, my favorite parts of this game were walking around as my fox, checking behind every little tree and every little piece of mountain, looking for a ladder or a hole in the wall, and just having something happen, seeing something. Yeah. I found a location that let me change my fox's outfit, and I yep. lost my <laughs> mind because the game doesn't tell you it's there. It is nope. just, you literally just have to discover it. And, and it doesn't that, even tell you how to use it when you get No, it doesn't yeah. tell you how to use yeah. it. You're right. You just kind of experiment, yeah. right? I, I love that. I love the music to the game. It's so relaxing and soothing. And the, the combat music's really good. It kind of kicks it up a notch with some energy, of course. And, and I really enjoyed the exploration and just doing that. And then the grapple hook. When you get the grapple hook, I really like the mechanics of the grapple hook. I don't want to give away what the grapple hook is because it's kind of specific to the area you find it in but it's really neat <laughs> the thing the way that that it works you know what i'm talking about like it's really yeah. cool and i the other thing that's i i want to praise about this game is accessibility because while i did have frustrations i do i think he tried so you can turn on two things that are in the menu options in order to help you out one of them is you can make it so that your stamina never degenerates right so normally your stamina 
you know, goes away as you block or as you dodge roll. And that, I can't even, I turned it on. And I can't yep. fathom playing this so game bad. without it on. It, it would be, that would make this really completely a nightmare, I think. Trying to play it with limited stamina bar and having, I don't know, I just think it would be a nightmare. You so I played it without that. 150% more damage when it's depleted too. So it's That's crazy. You, yeah. You're encouraged to like <laughs> dodge and parry, but if you run out of stamina, then you have to really be careful because you're not moving as fast and you take more damage. So And you can't dodge or that, parry because you're out yeah. of stamina. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, I played it with it on. I, I would recommend it for anyone that has remote trouble with it if you're going to try it out and you find yourself frustrated. First off, try turn that on. The other one is a one hit no it's a no die mode basically so you are invincible so the thing is the enemies will still attack you and they'll still annoy you and like surround you and swing at you and make things really a pain in the butt but they won't kill you i never played with this one i mean this was a little like a bridge too far for me personally but i could see how if you really just wanted to explore the world and find secrets and you didn't have too much of uh, trouble from having enemies chasing you all the time, or you wanted to just get them all bunched up in a corner where they couldn't hit you and then whittle them down and you were okay with that. Whatever the case may be, you could try this, you know, infinite life mode out as well. So I think it's nice that he gives you options for that. I like games with options. I really, I love games with options. Um, Let people decide how they want to play. Right. I don't know. I, I think, it's such a mixed bag for me. I don't hate it by any means. I also wondered about the story. We're not going to talk spoilers here. For me, this is a complete nothingness of a story. And that is also part of what compared to like Link's Awakening remake and Death's Door was prohibitive for me. I don't find myself wanting to get back into this game because I don't care. I'm just looking for the next thing. I don't have any driving narrative. Does it kind of cohesive at some point. Does it come together now that because you beat the game? You let's give you your praise. You hundred percent of this sucker, <laughs> as you tend to do because you're amazing. Oh. So I mean, how does that play out in the end? Is it worth it? Is it does it come become more interesting? Uh, that's that's a tough question. I thought it was cute, and I think I I to be completely honest, I don't know if I completely understand the story because there's no dialogue or anything as well. the The instruction manual kind of gives you an outline of what the story is, but as far as coming from your perspective, if you're coming for the story, um, especially when you're very heavily narrative driven, I don't think that this is the game for you. But that's not to say it is. I mean, I had so much fun with it. Frustrating at times, for sure. It definitely has its grievances. But regarding the actual story itself, I don't know that I could actually translate it to you appropriately. <laughs> like it, it's it's it seems kind of I want to say basic, but not in a weird, not in a you know bad faith way. That like it's it's just it's a simple you know wake up and explore game and discover things along the way kind of experience and that's what i really like the most about it well good i'm glad you tried it out by the way the composer uh goes by the name life formed i just wanted to shout that out because it really is a a beautiful soundtrack and one of the highlights of this game for sure for me and and i'm not sure 100 percent that i'm not going to go back to it i didn't think i was going to play it again at all and then 
I fired it back up and played a little more because I wanted to get the grapple hook and I knew that I was like on my way to get it. I was close. If I was to finish the game, I'm not going to lie. It would be pulling up a guide and at least letting it navigate me to the correct area next, not to the point where I was getting spoiled about boss fights ahead of time or whatever, but I would want to know, go to the Northwest section of this part to do get here and do this thing. Right. I would really want to make sure that I saw all the game had to offer, which to me is also then sort of opposite the point of the game and the intent of the game, I should say. So we'll see if I ever feel the desire to go back and finish it. I, I do think it's something worth trying. And being on Game Pass, it's free to try. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, and you also uh, brought up, uh, you texted me as I was leaving that fan expo that I mentioned earlier, um, that you were texting me about a spider boss that was giving you grief. And I had, I probably at that point, twice as many hours of you that you did on that game and i i didn't know what you were talking about so i kind of like the aspect where i was thinking about what guide you would possibly use because you don't necessarily i mean there is a path of where you can go and what you can do but it seems like it gives you the freedom as well to go on and do other things as well because i had two keys already and you had the one that i didn't have so you know giving you the the freedom to explore and and kind of go whatever direction you want to go that the game allows you to without the abilities that you that you acquire throughout the game to actually advance to new areas but um i i did like that aspect as well that <laughs> you were texting me about a boss that i was like i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> so um yeah that's just another element that i think makes it pretty cool definitely agree definitely agree yeah there's your review and some experience with tunic check it out if you do, be sure and let us know. I mean, with all the games we talk about, we would love to hear from you. Join our Discord. The links are in the show notes. Come find us on social media individually or on the show's social media pages and tell us what you think. Maybe we're missing something or maybe you had a similar experience and that goes for anything we talk about on the show each and every week. Well, I know that took a lot out of you this past week, Brad, as you were focused <laughs> on getting it done and 100%ing it like you do. So, you know, you end up putting more into games than some of us. But did you get around to playing anything else last week? Yeah, actually, after I, I got that 100% on Tunic, I decided I wanted to check out that uh, Turnip Boy game that Kevin mentioned uh, last week or the week before. Turnip Boy commits tax evasion and uh, ripped right through that. <laughs> it was it was just as goofy as he explained it uh, to be. And I enjoyed that. It's a it's a solid three-hour game if you want to do everything, get all the achievements and everything, which, not to pat myself on the back, also did for that one. But, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun little experience also on Game Pass. Um, what was really funny was I don't have their Twitter uh, pulled up at the moment, but the developer, I went to tweet them about a trophy that I picked up in the game that basically is just there for you to pick up and say, hey, this is just to keep the player engaged. And their Twitter bio said, we make... I just don't take this verbatim, but something along the lines of we make stupid games. <laughs> they just embrace it. I love and it. it was yeah. it was so funny. And I, I had such a good time with it. So I wanted to thank Kevin for that recommendation. I need to get to this. It's hard for me because I'm always wanting to play something new or something I can talk about on the podcast. And it's like, oh, well, Kevin talked about it, so I can't play it now. But that's dumb because this game sounds amazing. And it's it's also in that Link's Awakening slash right. kind of 
tunic style, right? As far as the gameplay goes, adventure wise, and yeah, I think for three hours, especially three hours at a hundred percenter, like yeah, yeah. Uh, sign me up for that. I'm gonna need to carve out some time and get to this one. It sounds like so much fun. And you mentioned earlier that you had been dabbling in Returnal. Have yeah. you gotten very? How far have you have you gotten out of the first biome? No. So oh. I started the game months okay. ago. And I got to the first boss, and what I what I don't like about the game, but what makes the game unique, well, not I don't want to say unique, but the difficulty in the game is navigating the biome and getting to the boss, and you know it's it's very much roguelike shooter as opposed to like some other games where if you if you fail at the boss, you can just go straight back to the boss and 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 fight them. So I got frustrated with my multiple attempts on the first boss, and then having to navigate, have to plan a whole run to get back to him again. And, and fail. So I, I, I spent a whole weekend where I was in that returnal vibe and I, I, I grasped the concept of the game and I was just pushing to to get to that boss and beat him because I know once you beat him, you can bypass him. But I was uh, about to tell you that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Thing you know that. Yeah. I gave up on it for a while. I had other things to play and uh, I gave it. It's, it's our friend's game that uh, he let me borrow it. And then I, I sent it over to Kevin so he could try it out. And then I saw a pod or I listened to a podcast recently where they were talking about Returnal, especially after the Game of the Year rewards. I think it got did it get music or it got some kind of big award. And it's like, I need to get back into that because I know that I can beat that first boss. So I picked it up from Kevin again on Tuesday and got right back into it and got to that boss. I had all this stuff set up on such a great run and failed again. So yeah. <laughs> back to square one. And I'm, I don't want to give up on it entirely, but I'm not as motivated to continue a full run to to get to him and, and try to beat him again but i'm got to keep that confidence up because i know i can do it i'm just getting burnt out on it already <laughs> i have no doubt that you can do it either and i really want to get back to Returnal and play quite a bit more try out the co-op mode so that's something we could do together at some point and then talk about on the show too down the road because i played a couple of months or a month solid when it first came out and I want to say I'm in the fourth biome now. And and this is, I'm not good at games. Like I, again, I felt so much satisfaction in being able to get to the point where I could do it. And it's, you know, part of it's RNG. You really need to get the drops for yep. the guns that you're comfortable with and get the right power ups in order for things to work out. But then I love the games system because as you unlock things and as you unlock each new perk for each gun that you're using, because you, you're kind of leveling them up as you're using them, then future ones that drop start having those things. And so it's like this progressive system where now the next time that machine gun drops, because you leveled it up previously, you're going to get a better version of it the next time to start off and kind of pick it up from there. And that system served me well. I, you know, I took a lot of runs and yeah. it, it is a lot of fun though. And it's, it's such a challenging, I got to the point where I was stuck on a run on a specific biome and I just, there was, it's, it gets insane. I mean, it yeah. gets <laughs> I can't bonkers. imagine. I'm Absolutely stuck on the insane. first boss. <laughs> right. And, and that's how I felt at the first one. And then that's how I felt the second one. It's how I felt at the third one. And I just kept getting past them. So I know for sure you can do it. And I'm 
convinced I can do it, and I love the game. I've it's one of the few games I've played solely really with headphones, my Sony 3D audio headphones on. It's abs. Yeah. Maybe that's what it won with sound design. I can't remember, but I it, think it, it was sound. Amazing sound. Yep. Amazing. So yeah, hopefully we can talk about that one eventually, uh, more in depth after we we get further or after you get through some <laughs> hopefully. Some biomes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd love that. Good. Well, I jumped in, and since I wasn't focusing on beating Tunic and kind of decided against putting more time into it, I had a friend who was like, hey, have you tried out this game called Aiden Chronicle Rising on Game Pass? And he was telling me how this is a prequel to the upcoming Aiden Chronicle 100 Heroes game, which was a Kickstarter project, and it is from the creator of the Suikoden series. And it had just blasted through its, you know, goals and made millions of dollars or whatever to be made. And this was kind of a a little bit of a small sample size prequel game that just dropped on Game Pass. And I watched a preview of it, didn't find it at all interesting. It looked basically like a side-scrolling fetch quest. It's not in the same combat mechanic style of gameplay as Aiden chronicle 100 heroes the jrpg will be you're not using a party and fighting turn-based combat so it's like side-scrolling action adventure it's kind of got a unique mechanic and it looked like you were just doing fetch quests and he was like yeah but it's fun trust me like i play he's like i think you'll like it i was like all right i'll you know try it for an hour or whatever because i'm definitely interested in the 100 heroes turn-based rpg that's the spiritual successor to sweet it in like that looks amazing so i fired this thing up now it comes from 505 games aiden chronicle rising is not made by yoshitaka mura Imar. i don't know how to say his last name the creator of suikoden he did not make this side project he made 100 heroes but this was sort of it started off as a stretch goal from what i understand for the main project and it just became something that it emerged into this prequel that would tide people over until the main game gets here some point next year, I want to say. I fell in love with this stupid loop, and I could not put it down, and I 100%ed it. I went 24 hours to the dot. Literally, my time clock was 24 hours and one second. I was so impressed with this. Wow. Obviously, I did nothing to make that happen. It just was random, but it was a really cool yeah. <laughs> random thing. You can beat the game in like 12 hours flat if you're in a hurry. Um, maybe even 10 if you really tried. But essentially what you're doing is you have this threesome of characters. Eventually, you start off with one. Her name is CJ. She's an outsider. She wanders into this little small village that has a young woman as its mayor because her father is missing. And you're on an adventure. Your family is has defined itself by the biggest treasure that they can find. So the goal is like when you're 16, you get kicked out of the house and you have to go find something bigger than your parent. And it just gets progressively harder. And so she wanders into this town. She meets a kangaroo <laughs> who is a merc. And, <laughs> you know, that's cool because he's, he's really awesome. He's real snarky and rough around the edges. She's like sarcastic, but bouncy and fun teenager kind of lingo. It's a really cool relationship they have. And the thing about this town, the mayor tells her, well, we want to help you out, 
you need to get into this area called the Barrows, uh, the, the Rune Barrows or whatever, and that's where this treasure is she's seeking. But in order to go search for this treasure, the mayor's like, we got to pay us 100,000 gold. And she's like, well, that's insane. She's like, or you can fill out this stamp card. And the stamp card is the main mechanic of how the game functions. You go around the town, and townspeople ask you to do things, and you get a stamp for every quest that you complete. Fetch quests, you know, kill X amount of enemies quests, and that's it. That's what you do. The whole game is filling up stamp cards, and it perpetuates this loop of XP and items, and as you do these things, people start building in the town. So it starts as complete rubble. It's like almost nothing there. But this guy is like, hey, I'm a blacksmith, but I don't have a shop and I can't be a blacksmith. And so you go into the quarry and you get ore and wood and you bring it back. He builds a blacksmith shop. And over the course of doing this, you you build in like well over a dozen, probably like, I don't know, 19 or 20 different shops and types of buildings that you can then interact with. You can get potions at one. You can, you know, there's three different ones that are tied to your magical type abilities. There's one for weapons. There's one for armor. There's a farm. There's one for dairy products. There's an inn. There's a tavern where you can, you know, get a buff before you go out adventuring. There's all kinds of stuff in this that you can build and you then you use to go make your next quest run better and i fell in love with it and it the game itself it's so small in scope the story is just about this girl and she wants she gets she becomes addicted to wanting to help people and get the stamp card filled up and her friend Mer, this merc guru his name is guru and he's because he's he's a kangaroo <laughs> yeah yeah i know it's awesome right uh so he is like being all he's like come on like can we can we go get the treasure now like okay she gave us access let's go and she's like yeah but he needs me to find his cat like of course i'll be happy to give me a stamp i fell in love with it it's so charming the aesthetic is adorable and the backstory that it created for ultimately the the trio of adventurers that you're walking through this with in the very end of the game it kind of reveals like a tie-in to bigger political world issues that are taking place. And the way that Suikoden games work is they are well known for having well over 100 characters you can recruit and work into your party and they all have different like strengths and weaknesses and personalities and stories. And so everybody's expecting Aiden Chronicle 100 heroes, right? Like it's named that to be very similar in its function. And these three characters are carrying over. I got to the point where I cared so much about them and this town. Like, I can't wait to play with them and meet them again in the next adventure. I mean, I, I thought that the, it was just absolutely delightful to, to meet the different townspeople and to help them. I personally was getting satisfaction like my main character CJ was from helping someone build their building up and, be able to now have a sustaining life or provide, you know, something new for their child or whatever the case may be from a other gameplay mechanics standpoint. It's really simple and really small. So there's only like 
I don't know, four or five total dungeon areas. There's a forest, a quarry you can go into, and then there's a couple of different biome-type dungeons that you unlock as you progress through the story. And essentially, you're just constantly going back to them. They're not very big, and you just loop back and forth. So, you know, you start off, you're hunting down lumber. You progress through the game. You need to get, you know, hardened lumber or whatever. (laughs) You need to get, you go from getting ore to, like, hard ore to, like, high purity ore and so you you start like going back and doing a hundred times the backtracking but i enjoyed it and it was never a problem like i i literally never felt like i was trying to hundred percent it because i was bored i wanted to keep playing it i wanted to do it because i just wanted to keep going because i was enjoying it and i wanted to get every single stamp the game had to offer and every single ability the way the combat works is each of the three characters has a sort of attack. Like CJ uses pickaxes and she's kind of a, a very quick attacker with a middle ground and a special ability that lets her quick step in and out like a dodge. She's one button. She's like the A button. And then Guru is like the X button or the, I don't know what the, whatever. He's another button. And he comes in with like this big bastard sword. So he's like a heavy attack, right? And then your magic user that you eventually get is another button, and she can hover in the air, and she fires different spells down. And you have rune slots that you can use to kind of dictate whether it's fire, ice, earth, you know, what for all of your attacks, for the weapons and the magic. And so you're constantly using these buttons. So I'm like hitting A to attack with CJ. Then I hit X, and it does like a link exchange. And so he flies onto the screen, and then the magic user comes into the screen and they they attack back and forth as you hit their different face buttons in a very quick way. I mean, it's it's really well done the way that they link together and do these combos with critical hits to to really just pile on the damage. It was pretty darn fun. And it was I mean, I thought it was gonna be terrible. I really did. And I <laughs> found myself enjoying it. It's not the best by yeah. any means. Um, it's not the most refined. But it works for this side-scrolling nature fairly well. And the game's never super difficult either. You're, I mean, you can just pretty much roll through most of it. And I liked that because it's quick. It's not, it's not meant to be a difficult game. It's meant to give you backstory for the big game that is to come later on and to let you get connected to these cute relationships. Yeah. So. Yeah, man, I I just absolutely love it. It's got that two and a half D visual, charming aesthetic, the soothing music to it, and I can't recommend it enough. I, I'm to the point I was so upset that I did not back Hundred Heroes. Yeah, I was just absolutely just insanely sad because I want all the things that come with that game now, and I'm not going to be able to get. <laughs> I'm going to have to just play it on Game Pass like a bum. Or no. <laughs> no. no, after you mentioned it on the Discord, I went and downloaded it, um, just like I did with Kevin's game, because I wanted to check it out and you know see what it was like. And it looks like aesthetically, it looks really cool. And just you talking about it just now made me more excited to just just play it now rather than check it out. Like I'm actually excited to to see what it's like. And one thing I thought of while you were talking about the stamp system, and I I think that I fi- I'm remembering the right game, but I played a game a couple years ago called Ninu Kuni. Have you played that? Did that does that have a stamp system in that? Because that's what I kept thinking of. I can't as remember you were talking about it. 
if it does, there it's a little. I get it confused with its sequel. They're a little bit. I haven't played the me- sequel mechanically. Yeah. yeah, they're basically like a Pokemon game, but Studio right. Ghibli style. But yeah, there you mentioned the stamp system. I was like, I played something recently, and I think it might have been uh, Wrath of the White Witch, the first Nino Kuni game. But that that's all. It was just something I thought of. Like it's it sounded like a cool system, and it, obviously it's a completely different like results of using getting the stamps in in this game. But drew that comparison at least. Yeah, it's really neat. I mean, it's just it is the it's fetch quest of the game, fetch quest of the game, and and on the surface that sounds horrible, <laughs> like. absolutely not satisfying but they made this incredible way of tying it into their story that kept you wanting to do it i mean it's it's really brilliant in my opinion so yeah Yeah. it gets it gets some high praise for me and and shocked you're gonna love turnip head or turnip boy then because that's entirely fetch fetch as well a couple boss fights but (laughs) it's all fetching stuff and taking it to somebody else but entertaining along the way that's that's the important part, right? That's yep. if you're gonna do it, it's okay if you're entertaining along the way, if you're hilarious or whatever your mechanics are <laughs> or your storytelling style. The other thing that I did, I just want to briefly mention was uh, another friend has been playing through Call of Duty campaigns from the past, and so I had had them on my wish list and finally hit a sale, so I was able to snag the most recent Modern Warfare and Infinite Warfare campaigns, and. I fired up the Call of Duty Modern Warfare campaign on his recommendation. And he had been going through a binge with his wife where they'd been watching a bunch of war movies. And so it was really synergizing with him going through these campaigns. And I was like, yeah, I need to do the same thing. So I ended up finding this random war movie on Netflix called Hyena Road. It's a Canadian war film. It's an indie by all nature. And it's basically about a sniper team in Canada and... It goes through the process of dealing with what war in Afghanistan is like, which is very much all over the place. And there's different perspectives on things and it's sometimes unethical and there's challenging decisions to be made and things are life and death. And it, anyway, I was blown away by how much I love this movie. I thought it was fantastic. And I got in the mood. I was like, I'm going to pick one night this week and I'm just going to blaze through this campaign because you can do it in about six hours. So I did that. It is probably the best realistic military campaign I may have ever played through. It's right there with, I'd say, Spec Ops The Line and maybe the original Modern Warfare or the original Call of Duty campaigns when they first came out and were just kind of surprising to us. But it is so incredible. Each and every mission. People sleep on the Call of Duty campaigns. They're Dude, good. they shouldn't. Yeah, they. Yeah. It, it, this is this one really brought it back. I think it is the highest quality, like visually sound, mission design and storytelling, all working just at the highest level. It basically each mission to me almost felt like a different favorite war film. There's one called Clearing the House. I want to say where you are. It felt like Splinter Cell. Like I want an entire oh, wow. game of that. It's you're yes. <laughs> you're in uh, night vision the entire time, and it's just you and your team, and you're going through this incredibly tight, like four story house, checking every single door, and some of them have bad guys waiting behind them with guns. Some of them have civilians that you can't shoot. Some of them are holding right. hostages. Some of them are kids. Some of them are civilians that if you don't shoot them, 
they turn and grab a gun and try to shoot you. Like it is intense. Then there's a mission that mimicked this hyena road movie that I watched, like almost exactly you're a sniper. And it was one of the best sniping missions I've ever played in my life. It was incredible. The way the gameplay feels the gunplay in these, in this game is just awesome. Like it, it just feels amazing. There's another one that feels a lot like zero dark 30. Um, there's another one that, what was the other one? I mean, there's definitely one that feels like Black Hawk Down. You're running through the streets. You're getting attacked. There's like a terrorist attack in London at one point, and you're on the streets, um, and it takes you, you know, all through these different scenarios. There, You get to fly RC-controlled drone bombs into things, oh, take control of them. You get to use a laser pointer and, like, mark things for your aerial support to bomb while your ground team is assaulting. Dude, it is amazing. The story is also just very, very challenging. <laughs> kind of like the movie that I watched where things that characters are doing, you may not agree is the quote right thing to do, but we're in war and it really highlights that aspect of like, there. Yeah. sometimes you've got to cross X line or this is what's going to happen. And then it, it makes you wrestle with those decisions there's a trigger warning I'm going to say because there is one mission that I, I can understand why it's been so controversial. What I will say is that there is a scene where you are actively involved in a torture scene. Oh. And you're playing your way through being tortured. And it is it is impactful. I For me, it was... That in one they of the did, Black Ops games, yeah. It was a cinematic, I believe, in... A previous game or a part of a story but this is like you are oh, actually no. having to do i'll tell you what it is when we get off the, the air but <laughs> i, I can see I a lot know. of people i can see a lot of people getting to this point and being like uh nope nope yeah. nope nope and i was like i was start, immediately i paused and started texting my buddy i was like dude are you serious we're really gonna do this right now he's like i know i know <laughs> but but it's effect yeah. in the storytelling was awesome. I mean, it was it was exactly what you needed to do, right? Um, because you also get to play as a freedom fighter. So you're you're a CIA agent. You are Captain Price, the iconic Call of Duty main character, who's I believe Australian. Yeah. I want to say, and then you're another Australian sniper, and then you're this uh, female leader from this fictional Middle Eastern country who is a freedom fighter trying to help rid her country of this Russian. Uh, invasion and so it, that was a unique take on storytelling anyway uh, it is phenomenal i can't say enough about it if you haven't played these campaigns like you said don't sleep on these they're so worth it i'm hoping to get to there's a co-op story that you or there's another story mode that you can play co-op or solo called spec ops that has some other missions tied to this that kind of continue the story i'm hoping to do that with my roommate before next week's show and report back on those yeah that'd be great and then i'll take a break and jump into the infinite warfare at some point, but I'm so glad that I gave this one a shot. It was really, really good. Yeah, I might check it out. I haven't played a call of duty campaign probably since modern warfare three was the last one that I really went hard on. And that was 2012. Maybe <laughs> I, yeah. I, I dipped in. I was the same uh, way. 
Yeah, I, the, I always enjoyed it, but you know, everybody, uh, everybody buys Call of Duty for the multiplayer, and then the campaign is just bonus for the real gamers who who enjoy stories. And because I was, I always liked the Call of Duty campaigns, and yeah, to hear that the the newer ones still really bring it is uh, enticing. But <laughs> that trigger warning, I don't know that I want to be a part of that, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, it's it's something else but yeah it's and it's cool to be able to play through it in one night you know i a lot of people or two nights maybe if you're unlike me and don't have six free hours in an evening if you're married or something but there's not a lot of games you can get your money's worth bang for your buck kind of so to speak in a six hour playthrough and it, and i love that kind of content like turn boy you know being three that's not a negative to me that is a yeah. incredible positive like i can get through that whole game in one night and feel like i was satisfied from start to finish like that's an awesome i need a lot of those to mix in because i'm always playing you saw my jrpg list at the beginning of this episode yeah. right i'm playing these <laughs> massive hundred hour games i need to be able to mix in shorter things to feel like i'm completing things <laughs> along sure. the way and uh, and this yeah it's a good good one for that well listeners thank you for being here with us for this episode we missed kevin i'm sure you missed kevin Kevin will be back. I'm sure Kevin missed Kevin being here as well, but he will be back <laughs> next week. I'm sure with us as well. Again, if you like any of the things we talked about, or if you have thoughts, please find us on social media. Also, please subscribe to the show on your platform of choice and leave us a review, especially if you're on Apple podcast reviews, it helps raise visibility to the show and it helps let other folks know that we're worth checking out and worth listening to. Side bonus is that we have a contest going on through the month of May. Anybody who leaves us a review on any of these platforms, let us know that you did that so that we can put your name in a drawing for a copy of Cyberpunk 2077 on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it so much. This is for you. We'll be back next week. Until then, get out there and fall in love with the game.